The PolyStory Repository is a live conversation with polyamorous people sharing their thoughts on trust, intimacy, and relationships with themselves and others. They navigate a conceptually non-monogamous life and want to share their experiences with you. These are our friends, and these are their stories. Hello and welcome to another episode of the PolyStory Repository. Thank you for joining us. Today we have Lee R. on our podcast. As always, I am Joe. And I'm... <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. What it's like to be poly in a couple of different locations of the United States. What it's like to be polyamorous outside of the scope of relationships. And if we have time for it, uh, a little bit of identity questions uh, with our guests. So, Lee, thank you very much for coming on the Poly Story Repository and talking with us. Hello. Hi. Nice to be here. <laughs> well, we're very glad to have you on and giving us the opportunity to just have a fun conversation at the end of a warm day in the middle of the summer. Could you give me an idea of, you know, how you or, or when you started to look at open relationships and polyamorous lifestyles? Maybe started Genesis. Started Genesis. Oh, that's interesting. I like that phrase. Um, <laughs> so I... Um, I didn't really think about poly or non-monogamy in any way until I had been in Chicago for quite some time. I moved out there, must be about nine years ago now, and stayed for about eight years. So I must have been there for, I don't know, three or four years before I started really looking at it and really thinking about it. And essentially what had happened was I was heavily in the kink scene. And people were non-monogamous there, but I had in my mind, like, no, no, I'm actually monogamous. Like, I can sleep with multiple people. It's not a big deal. I'm just not in any relationship. And once I get in that relationship with B1, I'm not going to be seeing all these other people. Um, but what actually ended up happening was that every single time I did start to date someone, I had a tremendous amount of anxiety. And, you know, you know like... Yeah, those like little imaginary times where you're thinking about, well, what's our relationship going to be like? And I really like this person and where could this go and what's going to happen? And you're sort of like daydreaming. And then I would just be frozen with anxiety about, well, but then I have to give up everybody else. Um, and I remember that that's actually what caused a lot of those relationships to end because I would sort of pull away without realizing it. I had a play partner for a while that was sort of treating me like a girlfriend. It was a very strange relationship and wasn't calling it that, you know, we, we were in the scene together and at one point we were sort of at a party together and just sort of playing in a very casual way with, uh, with someone else. And I remember being really just happy with it and not being bothered or jealous or anything because the thoughts that were going through my head was this is fun and he's still with me. But that, that was kind of like the first revelation of like, I think I kind of need some kind of openness and then I really started to get more into the non-monogamy world in my last long-term relationship when um, he walked into the room one day and said, when I get old, I want to be a swinger. And I was like, why do you have to wait? And he was like, oh, <laughs> that's true. So we started swinging a little bit, and it started to very, very slowly open up after a while. That's, that's so, kind of genesis. That, that's so interesting to me because I, I have – kind of the same feeling of compersion for my partners. I want everything for them. 
and you always put yourself in these boxes personally. You say, these are the boundaries that I'm allowed to experience, but anybody that I'm with should feel free to do whatever they choose as long as they're happy. Uh, a, a definition for our listeners, compersion is when you feel a sense of gratification when another partner of yours is satisfied, happy, or living in some successful fashion. It's, it's being happy that your partner is also happy. Yeah, and for some people that kind of comes naturally, and for other people maybe that requires a little bit of work, and it's all about context and, you know, Mm -hmm. how, how you're kind of feeling at the time. There's no universal way to find it, and there's no universal way to be in it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's, that's true. I, I have to clarify, I wasn't exactly feeling compersion as much as I was feeling a proudness of ownership at that moment when I was really happy, um, because I think there was that feeling of, like, I'm sharing this person who is my partner. As time has gone by and I have developed more individuality and just kind of, I don't know how to say it, getting my own roots. Um, mm -hmm. I think I've gotten to the point where it's more compersion, but um, there at that time, it really had more to do with, this is fun and this person's still my partner, so they're still coming home with me, so I don't feel any jealousy. Was your impression that a lot of the people who were coming to play parties were, were practicing open relationships or non-monogamy? Uh, did did people tend to, to stick to a small group, or was it fairly open? Uh, what were your experiences interacting with people in the kink scene? Oh, man, that's really broad. Um, I have groups that I like and groups that I really don't like. Um, but I think the main understanding is that a lot of people, even if they're in relationships, are at least allowed to play with other people. Mm -hmm. And to what degree and, you know, what the rules are really depends upon their other relationships. That's been pretty much my experience. I am not into protocol. So if someone says to me, you must speak to my dom before I'll talk to you, I probably just won't talk to them, to be honest, because it's just not my flavor. I have felt um, kind of at home in some ways in the kink community, in other ways, like I'm not kinky enough, which I think is pretty common, um, that people don't feel kinky enough for the kink community. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with FetLife, everyone sort of one-ups each other all the time. So you get like, everyone's doing needleplay all of a sudden, or everyone's branding, and you're like, ah, I don't want to do branding. So. <laughs> uh, every group has its facts. Yeah, yeah. And, and the kink community is no stranger to that, that's for sure. I'm sure the anonymity of the internet just takes that and sends it way out of proportion to what like an, an inter an in-person interaction would be like. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm positive because everyone just sees pictures and they're trying to get onto kinky and popular and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> let me get my loves, let me get my loves on this photo. So it's just <laughs> crazy. But yeah, that's been basically my experience with the, with that. It's it's been more or less that most people have some degree of openness. Mm -hmm. So how did you find the word polyamory then, and like build a, the conceptual like understanding of of that for yourself? I think it really did come from the kink community because it was some, every, like I said, everyone has some degree of openness. And then the more I started talking to people, a lot of people did identify as poly. Um, so that was something that I started to find out about. And I met actually the first, I guess you could say poly couple. Um, they were primaries and they were married in the kink community. 
and they became my very good friends and they're they're poly they actually one of them actually dated one of my friends for really one of my now friends for a really long time that i didn't meet until many years later <laughs> i think they really introduced me to it more than anything else just that one particular couple and, I, and then i started to move more into non-monogamy through exploring non-monogamy with my last long-term boyfriend. So it was it was a, a broad exposure to the culture through somebody else, mm -hmm. and did you immediately seek out other people to ask questions of? No, I honestly, I thought I was monogamous for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and it honestly took until just shortly before I met my last long-term partner, and then once we were dating, that's when it started to become more something that we were talking about. And that's when I started remembering things like, oh yeah, Ethical Slut is a book that you should read when you're interested in poly. And I started to reach out for more resources that way, and we started... Um, as we were meeting more people in the swinging community and just people through OkCupid and whatnot, we started to uh, meet other poly people, which helped a lot to, to just connect and figure out other books to read. What was what were some of the some of the things that you read that were really important to you? Well, of course, I read Ethical Slut, um, which really, really bothered me in some ways uh, because I felt that the author was not super sensitive to their partners. That really, really bothered me. Cause I remember reading one chapter in particular that really like, it like hurt to read. It was this chapter where a partner was like crying and telling them how they didn't want to go out that night, but they had to go out because they're poly. And I'm just like, what? No, that's not okay. Like you should stay home and talk, talk through it. You know, and then if your partner's still sad, but like, you know, they're working through their emotions, maybe you can agree that you can go out now. Like that should be a discussion, not just like, no, you have to sit with your feelings while I go out on a date. Like it just really bothered me. So there were elements of that that I felt were really callous. But um, I did like, uh, there's a Tristan Taramino book, which I can't recall the name of right now. I think it's called Opening Up. Yes. Uh, yeah, that one I really liked because she gets into different types of non-monogamy and poly and where it stemmed from and the history. And I really liked that a lot because she also gets into how to negotiate. So I, I liked that one. I did start reading Cunning Minx. I started reading her book and I actually really liked a lot of what she wrote. I think it's like eight things I learned about Polly before I fracked it up or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that. It's awesome though. I really liked a lot of what she had to say. It's very down to earth advice. Um, I have not read more than two, but I've heard really amazing things about it. I always keep a notepad nearby for conversations just like this. To write down books? Oh, of course. Good. You should. I keep a notepad nearby, but mostly so I can write down your answers and then snipe at you back with more questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference between you and me. I'm a listener. You're right. an investigator. I'm an ambush listener. <laughs> Which makes me bad. <laughs> You're like, so oh, what? you said that, huh? Let me oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Underline, underline, circle. I'll get you. Exclamation um, <laughs> point. It's like, oh, we're revisiting this thing. Mm -hmm. um, so your first couple, you said you had like um, in your last longish term relationship that that was really the one where you kind of blossomed into poly as more of a thing for yourself, right? Um, sort of. I mean, I I felt some pressure with him. 
I think what I just, I kind of discovered really where I sit with Polly afterwards. That was kind of like the opening of the door in a more solid way, I guess you could say. Like kind of, um, I kind of came to this point where I actually even like wrote a, a like a blog post or journal entry about it too, where I was just like realizing like, I have a lot of self-love at this point. Um, and that in many ways, it's, it fuels my poly, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> because if you're fine being by yourself and you don't have any strong desire that, like, you must be around another person, it, like, kind of makes those interactions much more enjoyable. And um, it makes it so that you can leave them if they're not enjoyable. And I think that I kind of came to this point where I was, like, the beauty of poly is – being able to love people for who they actually are and not trying to mold them into who you want them to be. So I want to be able to look at someone for all of the facets of who they are as a person and enjoy them and not allow myself to be bothered by the things that don't fit my, you know, quote unquote ideal because they don't have to fit my ideal because they're their own person. Yeah. Beautifully put. Thank you. And I talk to many poly people, I want to love you for who you are. They're just like, yes, that's it. Like, I think it's just, it feels very universal in the poly philosophy from what I can tell. We do kind of get this idea, though, and maybe this is more of a, like, mainstream relationship idea, though, that um, if you're poly, then clearly you must be in relationships with a bunch of people. And if you're somehow not in a relationship or not in relationships that the poly thing is much more abstract and maybe you don't really mean it and you know that that kind of garbage what's been your experience with that kind of i don't want to say like anti-poly but that, that kind of re reaction to your current set being single in a poly world yeah i guess <laughs> or the, the assumption that if you're single in a poly world then are you poly which is garbage, but like I'm, I'm sure that must be part of it, right? Oh yeah, totally. Um, it's unbelievable the number of people who are in relationships who are looking for people to date and refuse to date someone who's not in relationships because they've determined that that person has no way that they could possibly not want that person in their life all the time. Like you hear it a lot from couples that are like, I don't want to date anyone who's not already in a relationship because then they're going to be too needy. And it's like, no, I actually have like a really full life. Like there's a lot of stuff that I don't have time to do. Um, so seeing you once a week actually would be really tough for me. I mean, I, I'll make time for you if you want, but if you don't want me, that's fine. And, you know, likewise, the opposite can happen where someone who's in a relationship is so polysaturated. They have like time for you maybe once a month. Like there was someone I dated when I first moved here to the East Coast that like they literally had time for me one day a month. And if I needed to cancel or move it because something came up, they're like, well, I guess I won't see you till next month. And I'm like, what? Really? How do you fit your life that way? Like you have nothing flexible at all that you can't like find an hour for coffee or something. So it just, I mean, I get that, Tim. I know your schedule's super busy, but. <laughs> Maybe. Tim's hiding in the corner. He's like, no, I don't live that way at all. So, well, it, it depends upon how you negotiate out those relationships, right? And that wasn't something yeah. that was going to work for you. And maybe it worked for them, but that relationship was going to kind of sputter. 
I did actually want to circle back to to something that 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 came up when we were talking about the reading list, which was negotiating the negotiating mm-hmm. style. And when you're dating multiple people, conversation is a must. Poly mm-hmm. magnifying glass on a relationship, and if there's an imperfection or some sort of heartfelt emotion or some dissonance, it, it comes out and it gets magnified. So when you have a conversation with your partners, how, how do those feelings manifest themselves for you in a conversation? Well, I think my communication style has shifted a lot in the last year because I did take the nonviolent communication course, which helped tremendously just how I, how I even talk to my family, honestly. I think that mostly it comes down to mentioning the issue first for me and then trying to find solutions that we're both okay with. I do want to make sure that I'm hearing them out. You know, since taking nonviolent communication, I do a lot more like mirroring of what they're saying and interpreting of their needs through that lens. So you need you need me to tell you when I'm going out with this person because you're, you need reassurance or something like that. Now, I had an experience recently where I actually dated someone who was monogamous um, that I met over OkCupid. And when she messaged me, um, she said, I'm monogamous and you need to be okay with that before we can go forward. And I was like, huh, because I'm not dating anyone. So I'm like, maybe I can be monogamous. Maybe that's okay. But the more we were talking, the more I realized like, no, no, that's not okay. Um, Cause I started to really like her and I could feel myself tensing up and being like, well, but can I commit? Do I want this? Am I going to end up cheating? Like, because I'm not typically someone that would cheat and I have committed um, in a monogamous relationship before without cheating, but it, it just felt like something was going to give way, if that makes sense. Um, it, it felt more like monogamy in her world was a lot more ownership. And we did have full discussion about like, well, what is, you know, what are your limits on monogamy? Like, I might be okay with it if we can negotiate it. Like, maybe we can talk about it. Maybe it's more a decision than a, a default, I can do it. But the more we talked about it, the more it was, no, no, this is like, it seemed seemed like it was a lot more about ownership because sex was the definition of monogamy for her. Mm-hmm. And to me, sex is the least monogamous part of anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you can have sex, to my, in my mind, you can have sex and have fun and not have it have anything to do with being in a romantic relationship. So that was where the disconnect really was. And I was expressing emotions of feeling really like free and wanting to, you know, love people for who they are. And the experiences I've had in the past where I was sharing a partner and felt like, Oh, isn't this so great? Like, I'm so happy to share them. And yeah, you're right. He does that real good. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and and then that was not something that she was ever, ever going to be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of interesting. She just took everything very personally in that sense. Um, so admittedly I was a little bit in the wrong to try and pursue that because I think it had the potential to string her along, which I was worried about. Um, but she ended it. She noticed that it was just not going to happen and she ended up ending it, which I really respect. So mm-hmm. again, that, that personal sense of identity and 
what what is right for you as a person outside of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, and I, I even said to her when she ended it, I'm like, you know, I have a tremendous respect for amount of respect for you as a person. Um, I very much believe that I want to see where people fit into my life and where we we fit in with each other's lives. Um, if you want to be friends, I really want to, but you know, I'll leave that up to you. You can be calling ready. So uh, she hasn't called. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, but she has plenty of friends. I don't really have a lot of friends around her yet, so <laughs> it takes time. Yeah. We're just going to have to do more episodes. That's the solution. Right. Really. <laughs> more episodes? Yeah. So I can make more friends through the Poly Repository? So because we had such a great time talking with Lee, that's exactly what we did. This episode is actually split into two parts, the second of which will be the next episode in the Polystore Repository. I'm Joe, and I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Come back and listen to the conclusion of the interview with Lee, where we talk about safe practices with partners, open communication, and my weird laugh. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll see you later.